We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Marutha. It is Thursday, February 2nd. We are exactly one week out, Alex, almost uh, to the minute from the NBA trade deadline. Uh, still not a ton of movement. You know, we're starting to see the, the OGN and OB rumors, things like that popping up. We, of course, had the Hachimura trade last week. But uh, it does feel like, you know, the, the, the dam is ready to burst at some point, And maybe that won't come until Thursday, uh, as it often does. But uh, very much looking forward to continuing to break that down over the next week. You'll have anything that breaks in the next 24 hours covered on the Friday pod. Uh, otherwise, we'll make sure to get a recap pod or two up next week. We'll talk about it on the Rotowire XM show as well. But uh, we are doing part two of our most recent look around the league. On Wednesday, we went through the Eastern Conference. Uh, which means it is now time to hit the West. And, you know, I, I want to kind of hit on a few news items from Wednesday night's games, but there there wasn't a ton going on. Uh, we have some minor injuries to keep an eye on. You know, Yusuf Nurkic exited the, the Blazers game last night. Uh, they ended up beating the Memphis Grizzlies without Nurkic. Uh, dealing with a calf injury, was spotted in a walking boot after the game. Uh, my guess is that he probably does not play on Friday. Uh, I believe they, yeah, they're at Washington and then they play again Saturday, uh, road, road, back to back. They're at Chicago. Uh, not great news for my stake team where I confidently plugged Yusuf Nurkic into the lineup, but he he's played in a ton of games of late. He's only missed one game since the start of January, but it does feel like he's been questionable. He's banged up. He's left a couple games early. Uh, so I would not be surprised here if the Blazers are a little cautious. No, that wouldn't be surprising at all. And yeah, Drew, Drew Eubanks has his moments. It's not like they're putting out some guy who has like no experience of playing well. They gave Eubanks more run last season. He had a sick dunk last night um, as well over Jaron Jackson Jr., which is maybe where Jaron Jackson Jr. got hurt. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is doubtful for tonight's game. Um, in addition, in that, in that Spurs-Kings uh, game, we had both Jeremy Sohan and... Trey Jones leave early due to injury. I think they both played less than 10 minutes. Yeah. Sohan's look, looking really fun lately. And we're, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the Western conference. The Spurs are one of your teams. So you, you could bring him up if you so choose, but uh, he's kind of been one of the, the few bright spots for them uh, relatively over the, these last few games. I mean, it, it, I, I like to look at last 10, you know, when we do these, these whip arounds the league, you know, I, I think it, it gives you a better context, you know, uh, if, you, if you look at the entire season, you have to then parse through like how many games was player X in, how many games was player X out. Uh, the last 10, you know, kind of gives you a pretty representative sample. The thing is with the Spurs, you could look at the last 10, you could look at the last 30, the last 15, like it never changes <laughs> there. It feels like they're at the bottom. Uh, when you, when you sort by defensive rating, like they're, they're always number 30. Uh, if you sort by net rating, it's like a, a, a jockey between the, the Spurs and the Rockets for who can have the worst net rating, uh, their offensive rating over the entire season is hovering around 120. 
Uh, over the last 10, though, it has been somehow even worse, uh, 125.6. I, I guess it, it's still kind of jarring to me to, to see the Spurs bottom out this hard. It is. Yeah, I mean, I think they they must have gotten some very clear insight into uh, DeJounte Murray deciding he would not be resigning with the Spurs, even if given the opportunity. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little jarring. And I, it's, you know, in, um, in our keeper league, I traded, I traded for Keldon Johnson. Um, but I'm also not convinced that he has as much upside as I thought he did in the past. Like I really thought he was going to have like a great year this year, like pass really well, these huge scoring performances. He's just not efficient at all. Hasn't passed a ton. Um, in general, it is weird to see. And, you know, they lost Devin Vassell as well. Like, we can't, we can't, I mean, they basically lost their second best player, right, um, of, mm-hmm. indefinitely. So that's, that's been really hard on them as well. Cause they're just playing like Malachi Branham and um, Romeo Langford a ton now. Yeah. It is funny how quickly they've kind of turned into like a half G League team. And, you know, we started to see it a little bit last year and they've, they've certainly put their foot on the gas this season. I just, I still don't really know like what the, the what the direction is because obviously you're not guaranteed Victor Webinyama. If you get him, that changes things significantly, and you can accelerate your rebuild almost overnight. I you know Scoot Henderson, Eamon Thompson, some of these other guys, you know, big prospects in the 2023 draft. Like, yeah, they're they're exciting, but they're not Webinyama. And you know, obviously, it, it's kind of similar to like the Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But if the Patriots went like one in sixteen. Um, I just like, do, do you think pop, do you buy this narrative that he is, is like waiting for the opportunity to get women Yama? And if, if he does, maybe that reinvigorates him for like one more kind of title chase, or is he just, just kind of taking it year by year regardless? I assume it's year by year. I don't know. It just, it feels like a lot of the luster has come off the Spurs organization. Doesn't it? I yes. think ever since they lost Kawhi. And really didn't get a lot back for him. And people thought maybe that was a trade out of spite to Toronto rather than getting a better package and sending him somewhere that he wanted. Mm-hmm. It feels like they just, it's kind of been, you know, they were fine with DeRozan. They were making that work. But you think about the other teams around the league who have been bad and have tanked and rebuilt over the past three, four years. How many assets they've acquired? How much the, the just wealth of draft picks they've gotten? And it feels like the Spurs are not there. It just feels like the Spurs are a, a bad team without great assets to do any significant moves. And, you know, maybe they'll acquire a few draft picks over the next few years, but it, it just doesn't, this rebuild doesn't feel exciting at all in, in some of the ways that like the Oklahoma City rebuild or the Houston rebuild has felt. Yeah, it feels totally directionless to me and, you know, kind of just, operating on the, on the whims of whatever happens. Like they, they had, it feels like before this year, they didn't really make a concerted effort to be bad enough where they'd be in contention for a real difference maker. And that led to a, you know, a few drafts in a row where you're kind of picking in the middle and you're not, it doesn't really feel like you're getting anybody who's helping you either, even in the short term or somebody who's going to develop into anything real in the long term. And, you know, they did well to, to land Vassell and, you know, Kelton Johnson looks like a hit based on where he was drafted, but I also think we have to be realistic about what the ceiling is for those guys. So yeah, it's, it's been for, for an organization that I think has been so steady and it seemingly made the right decision every time for like two straight decades. Uh, you know, again, to, to make that new England comparison, like it is, they, they've gotten the benefit of the doubt for so long that you, you want to keep giving it to them. But when you start to look at things objectively, like they're, they just haven't really been the same franchise the last five or so years. They have not been. All right. Well, maybe now we can skip the Spurs. I don't know what else there is to say. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go in order of record. So they were going to be our 14th team anyway. Uh, but we'll, we'll address that when we get there. We'll start at the top. Uh, I have the Denver Nuggets. They are 35 and 16, number one in the Western Conference. Nikola Jokic has pulled ahead once again in the MVP race. Uh, you know, it, it's still kind of a five or six man race, depending on how many names you want to throw in there. But uh, to me, it, it does really feel like we are, are moving past collectively the he can't win it three times in a row narrative, which is fun. But at the same time, I, I also don't know that like, I, I think Jokic has been the best player this year. But I, I also don't think, for example, like Giannis should be 11 or 12 to one to win MVP. Like I, Jokic has been amazing and the Nuggets are the best team in the West. But I, I also don't think there's been a massive gap between him and guys like Embiid and Giannis and Tatum and Luka. 
Yeah, Jokic. I mean, Jokic is amazing. What like what what more can we really say about him? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I think some of this Embiid versus Jokic debate depends on how much you value passing versus defense. And that's a really tough question to answer, right? Like, which is more important? Um, Because both of these teams are playing with great records and they both have a wealth of talent uh, around both of these guys. They're both succeeding. And to me, what I come back to, um, you know, I think getting that third MVP is so substantial in terms of how many guys... Uh, how few guys have gotten that third MVP award and what sort of company that puts you in historically in the NBA. And I just don't think the media in general wants to give a guy that third MVP before they sort of give someone else an opportunity to win one that they feel like probably deserves one. Cause you never know, like, you know, maybe, maybe Embiid doesn't win it this year and then he suffers an injury and he's not the same, or he just never gets another chance for whatever reason. And we look mm-hmm. back and it's like, well, how did Joel Embiid not win an MVP? So I think at this point, there's just a lot of narrative, the, you know, that the sort of narrative yeah. of it will lean it towards someone like Embiid or Tate or, uh, or Tatum or, or Luca. I think you brought up a good point when you joined us on the Roadwire XM show last night, you know, you, you said that I, part of the reason that the odds have gotten longer for someone like Giannis is because of the focus, not necessarily on Jokic, but on Jokic versus Embiid specifically. You know, like you got a lot of people that are kind of picking a side in that debate, and it feels like maybe it's causing some of these other periphery candidates to fall back a little bit. And look, I mean, I think part of it too is Giannis missed five games in a row, which is in in you know this season that's enough to not knock you out of the race, but kind of temporarily set you back because you know all these other guys are putting up elite numbers every single night. So missing five games or two weeks is kind of a big deal. And I, I do think you know if, if you're looking for somewhat of a long shot betting opportunity right now on the MVP, getting Giannis. At anything higher than 10 to 1 to me feels like a really good deal. Um, I wouldn't go any longer than that. You know, I wouldn't bet on like Durant or John Morant or LeBron or, you know, guys like that. I don't think there's there's a whole lot of merit in that. But uh, I, w- I would bet Giannis at 11 or 12 for sure. Uh, last thing on Denver, uh, they are seventh in net rating over the last 10. Still cruising along. I mean, not not running away with things in the West. Memphis is right there. Um, you know, then there's a little bit of a gap down to teams like Sacramento and the Clippers and uh, Minnesota and Dallas, but they've kind of established themselves now as the, uh, it's, it's like a NASCAR race. Like they've led the most laps so far in a Western conference that is like changing every single night. Like this is kind of the steadiest number one team that we've had so far this season. Yes. And they've improved their defense lately, although their offense has suffered a little bit. They're, they're kind of confusing. It feels like they go through phases where it's like, they were just, you know, like dominating and off on, on offense earlier in the year. And then, the defense was poor, so then they they shored up on that side of the the floor. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, Denver again. We talk about all the time. The West is wide open. It could be anyone. But your point, um, your point definitely stands. I also I looked up quickly. Um, I guess this would be good trivia. the The only players that have won three or more MVPs. Okay, and can I so, oh uh, yeah. Well, if you're going to say any more context, feel free. And otherwise, just give me how many there are. No. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, that's way more than I thought. Eight? Okay. Uh, Korea. <laughs> yes. yes. LeBron. Yes. Uh, Larry Bird. Yes. Michael Jordan. Yep. Four. Magic? Yes. Okay, that's five. Uh, Shaq? No, not Shaq. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm obviously missing some, some pretty blatant ones. Oh man. Um, do I, did Duncan get three? He did not. I think he got three finals MVPs. Yeah. He got three finals MVPs, but. Um, I, I don't know then. I I don't know who are the others. Uh, you didn't say Bill Russell, did you? Bill Russell. Uh, no, I Wilt, did not say Bill Russell. Wilt Chamberlain. And this one's sneaky. Moses Malone. Oh, okay. There's nobody that I, I feel horrible about. I mean, obviously I should have gotten those guys, but like I was, I was paranoid that I was missing someone from like 1990 to present. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think Malone, Malone feels like the odd guy out, but he also had a very yeah. underrated career at the same time. But this is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Like, I don't, I, I think a lot of voters don't want to be like, you know what? Giannis, 
you're basically like Bird, Magic Johnson, Malone, Chamberlain. Like you're among those guys. I just don't think Vogers want to do that. Or the same with Jokic. You know, they feel more comfortable I... in that in that two-time MVP category. Like the two-time MVP category is pretty small too. It's Bob Pettit, Steve Nash, Carl Malone, Jokic, Duncan, Curry, Giannis. Mm-hmm. I just don't think yeah. Vogers want I mean, to they... a guy that some of it is context too. Cause like, I, I think doesn't Katie, like Kevin Durant feels like he has a better legacy than all the guys you just named. And he, he should absolutely to me be in that three MVP category, but he finished second to LeBron like four times. Uh, so it's just, it's kind of tough how it works out. And I also don't have a really a problem with considering Giannis a part of that inner circle. Right. I mean, it, I, I, you know, I'm not saying he's like one of the five or 10 best players ever right now, but I, I think he's going to end up comparing pretty favorably to a lot of the guys that you named when it's all said and done. I mean, obviously, you know, rings are going to be a part of that, but um, I don't know. I mean, like just, just today, somebody from Milwaukee, like shared a, just one of those like reminder, Giannis had, you know, 50 points in 17 of 19 at the Mm -hmm. line to close out the NBA finals. And I was like, I actually needed that reminder because this does not get talked (laughs) talked about enough that Giannis had, I would say pretty arguably the best finals performance of all time in a closeout game at home. I mean, it, it obviously it, it got its due at the time, but it, it does feel like that it came and went pretty quickly. Like how just ridiculous that specific game was. Right. I think Giannis is, if we're talking Giannis versus Jokic, I think voters would rather give it to Giannis, the third one, because he has a finals MVP. And like you mentioned, that game yeah. was insane. You know, of these guys we're talking about, the only person uh, in the three-time MVP winner group that does not have a finals MVP is Bill Russell. Five regular season MVPs, zero finals MVPs. Everyone else has at least one. I've been saying it for years. Bill Russell was not clutch. Um, So that's (laughs) that's an interesting tidbit. um, So we'll we'll close the book on this. And somehow this is, you know, uh, tangential to our Denver Nuggets discussion. But if you were a voter, like, I I think you're right that a lot of voters do factor in this this kind of like, you know, legacy. Where does this actually put somebody if I vote for him and he wins? And I, I appreciate that because I, I really care a lot about legacy and rankings of players and things like that. But if you were voting, would you look at it that way? Or would you really try to say, I'm just taking into context this one season. That's all we care about. Uh, I mean, I, it, I think I, I don't want to, I don't want to voter fatigue, you know, guys like Jokic or Giannis. I, I just think their talent is so crazy. I wouldn't mind them being in that same category. Like, I'm okay with saying that, you know, Jokic is as talented as Larry Bird or Magic Johnson was. I understand they haven't, you know, Jokic hasn't gotten uh, to the NBA Finals. And at the same time, like, I, there are so many guys having MVP caliber seasons. Like, uh, Jokic or uh, Embiid probably does deserve an MVP. And and Doncic, maybe at this point, his career doesn't, is not going to get the love for it, but. That's hard too. There's just so many guys in the NBA right now, but um, it, it's a little hard to reckon with the fact that, you know, Steve Nash won an MVP averaging like 16 points and 11 assists per game. Right. And Joel Embiid can't even make the all-star game averaging 34 and 10. Yeah. I. <laughs> the thing is too, I'm, I, I will say like, as much as I love Jokic and I think he completely deserved the last two MVPs. I am someone who prefers. I, I think we people should lean on defense a lot more when considering MVP and Jokic is just not a good defender. People try to say like, Oh, he's, he's okay. He's fine. Like I've seen some games where he looked like a turnstile out there. The other night against the Pelicans was embarrassing and they ended up winning the game just because the Pelicans also weren't playing defense. But I, I was telling you, I was on the under on that game. Felt great about it. The Pelicans at one point had four consecutive wide open dunks late in the fourth quarter of a, a close game. Like, Look, and maybe I just caught Denver on the wrong night, uh, but it was alarming. Like just the lack of effort and not just from Jokic, really from everybody. Um, but that's, you know, that's emblematic across the league too. Right. Um, so anyway. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess we're moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies um, who have, uh, they've been without Steven Adams for the past five games, I believe, and are one in four during this stretch, really struggling without him. Although, uh, Desmond Baines missed some time as well, uh, which has which has definitely hurt them. Uh, but I believe he's back. We mentioned Jaron Jackson being out uh, tonight, um, and they are currently, which I didn't say, second in the West at thirty-two and nineteen. 
Moran continues to put up ridiculous stat lines. Um, he's not an absolute heater. I think that's sort of the main thing um, when when I'm analyzing the, the Grizzlies at this point. Like, Morant's past four games, 29 points, 13 assists, eight rebounds, almost a steal and a half. He's shooting 47, 35, 74. Just been a man on a mission, um, which, they, which they need um, at this point with guys missing time. Um, and I, you know, I, I think they are a legit finals contender, but how I've felt about them over the past couple of years still remains where I, it just gut feeling. It feels like there are guys short, which I think is why those OG Ananobi discussions continue to, um, involve them. Yeah. Very interested to see what happens there. It feels like we, we might be heading toward a Pelicans versus Grizzlies bidding war for OG Ananobi, right. uh, which I, you know, Memphis is the team that I think becomes slightly more interesting, but uh, you know, there's, there's maybe some, some recency bias there because New Orleans just hasn't been very good lately. Uh, but you know, either whichever of those teams, if, if it's one of those two that adds Ananobi, I mean, we'd be looking at John Morant, Desmond Bain, OG Ananobi, Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams as a starting lineup. And then obviously you, know, you could, you could start Jackson at the five and insert Dylan Brooks for a little bit of a smaller look like that is a, a hell of a top six yeah. and in new Orleans, it would be, you know, McCollum Ingram Ananobi, and Herb Jones as a defensive tandem on the wing with Val Junis. Um, and obviously they have a deep bench as well. Didn't even mention Trey Murphy. So like, do, do you have a, a favorite landing spot if you're picking between those two? I mean, I would, I would love for the Pelicans to just go all in and just kind of come out of nowhere. Cause they just, until this moment, it doesn't really feel like they've been in, in the discussion uh, for Ananobi or for really anyone, you know, because they made, they made, I mean, they've been really aggressive lately and I've liked their moves a lot. Like getting, getting McCollum was a really nice move. Um, I, I loved their acquisition of Larry Nance and getting OG Ananobi is, I mean, I don't think they're going to win the title without Zion being healthy, but it gives you just a little more insurance on the wing. And, I would, I would just love for them to be aggressive. I think Zion's that good right now. That's the thing. I think Ingram is is very good. I think Zion is that good right now. Your window, like McCollum is aging a little bit. So I, I'd, I'd be okay with them striking now for Anganobi and dealing some picks and young guys. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is that scared of Denver. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving them no, credit, but I, I don't think anybody looks at them as like you know the 65 win Warriors or anything like that. I, I think you know teams like Memphis and New Orleans. You know, you add Ananobi, I think you could pretty easily talk yourself into being favored in that series. So I, I totally get it from both teams' perspective. The Sacramento Kings. This has to be the the earliest we've ever talked about the Kings in a podcast <laughs> like this. 29 and 21. They're up to third in the Western Conference. I will admit defeat. I was totally wrong about the Kings. They, they got off to a, a positive start. I thought they would fade. I went, I, I took an automatic under on their win total. I don't even know what it was. They, they might've gone over it already. And I was wrong. This is a, a pretty good team. However, they still don't have a lot of depth. I don't really trust any of their depth at any position. Although Trey Lyles has played pretty well. Malik Monk has been solid. Um, they also have had like no injuries. And I know Sabonis is playing yeah. through an injury, but well, injuries have ravaged seemingly every other team in the league. Like the Kings have pretty much been immune. Yeah, the most left-handed player in the league broke his right thumb. Uh, turns out that doesn't matter yeah. at all. I I agree with you. I think the injuries thing matters a lot. They just you're right. They've been zero time due to injuries essentially. Um, yeah, I mean I was wrong about them too. I didn't think they'd be this good, and I just didn't think. I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going if Sabonis Fox is your one two? That's just kind of my opinion. That's actually a little bit still my opinion. I I don't believe in them as a playoff team. I think their defense is, I mean, their defense is not good. It hasn't been good all year. It hasn't improved lately. And I think they're going to get exposed a little bit when it comes to, like, I, De'Aaron Fox has been better, right? I still think teams are going to let him shoot in the playoffs. I think they're just going to guard against the drive. 33% three-point shooter this year. Sabonis can't shoot. He also can't drive right to save his life. Like, I think there's just ways if you really scouted them, that you could expose them. Plus none of these guys have real playoff experience besides who probably has the most playoff experience. I mean, Harrison Barnes is the most playoff experience on this roster. And then what Kevin Herter. Yeah, probably Herter. I mean, yeah. Barnes has at least played in the finals uh, and won the right. finals, I suppose. 
Uh, you know, went to the playoffs with Dallas. I, yeah, what, what a strange career. Like he, he has just been the, the most slightly above average player in NBA history. <laughs> well, Wiggins is going down almost the exact same path. Yeah. Ironically, which is okay. <laughs> he is. I, I feel like Wiggins' highs have been a little bit higher than Harrison Barnes, but yeah, shockingly yeah. similar careers in a lot of ways. Like Barnes is one of those guys that'll probably be pretty productive into his mid to late thirties. And he'll rank like way higher in a lot of like career statistics than you would ever think. Cause he, he doesn't miss games either. Like he'd be like from like 2012 all the way until this season, which I don't, I don't know if he's even missed a game yet. Like he's, he's been like 77 plus games almost every year. I, I'm not, I'm not going to run the query, but I bet if you, if you did like totals, total points scored from 2012 to 2023, Harrison Bards would be alarmingly high on the list. <laughs> I, uh, I think he would. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, okay, we got the Clippers next. Clippers next. Uh, continue to be a confounding team, but they're they're cooking a bit lately. Six and one over the past two weeks. Second ranked offense during this time. Um, you know, we've gotten more games out of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George lately. And I think I think ultimately the main story here is uh, Kawhi is playing really, really well, looking like himself lately. If you take his past 11 games, he's 30 points a game on 56, 47, 92 shooting. That's absurd. And that's in addition to six and a half boards, four assists, two steals, half a block, and 1.6 turnovers. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's at anymore, but I looked him up the other day when I was writing my article for Tuesday, and he was the sixth-ranked player in nine-cat per game over the past month. He's out of control, and this just continues to prove, like, Kawhi and Paul George, if those guys are healthy, like, you got to look out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, during this stretch, their defense has been pretty poor, but I think... We got to give them some time, Ty lose some time to figure out exactly what they want to do offensively and defensively. So I think maybe, maybe more than any other team in the league post all-star break, I think will be more crucial to their future than I think any other team, except maybe Golden State, who feels like they real they really need to put something together soon. At some point, the Warriors need to. Yeah, I I mean, I give them the biggest leash of any team in the league by a mile. So I'm I'm not really that worried about Golden State. Like, they're the one team that, like, they, they could get the eight seed, and I would still, like, consider picking them 
regardless of the opponent, you know, like we've, we've seen it with them and we've seen it with this core specifically so many times. Um, whereas you, there, you know, these other teams that you want to give the benefit of the doubt, like even when the Clippers were, were partially healthy, like the one time in the postseason when they were healthy, uh, you know, they, they ended up bowing out. So I don't know, like we, you can just never trust this team whatsoever. And like, even if Kawhi stays healthy the rest of the way, it's like, you're always going to be expecting that injury to come, uh, at some point in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing it with the Clippers, but at the same time, they're still only four games above 500. And uh, I mean, if, if they don't win the title this year, like w- what are we looking at? You know, like, is, is this after this season, obviously they'll in theory have more opportunities, but you're also not expecting Kawhi's health to get better as he ages. Like, is, is this just going to go down as one of the great what ifs? I think they still have next year. I mean, financially, they're essentially like locked into next year. You take a look at their books and it's like, they're going to bring back the same roster (laughs) next year. Um, Maybe Reggie Jackson goes somewhere else. He's expiring. I think the year after that, we're talking 24, 25. That's when you got to start. That's the year you're sort of thinking about because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have player options. And, um, you know, I, and I, they're going to decline those. So next year they're expiring and then, you got to make decisions. Like you're saying, um, I, I don't think it's over if they don't get it done this year, but then they have to really, really gun for it next year or just fully like pot commit to giving these guys like <laughs> give Kawhi Leonard a four year deal or something like that, which I mean, I think we should, you should factor into that. They're building that new arena in Inglewood. Like yep. you're going to put a crap team in there. You're going to trade Paul George, Kawhi Leonard and like send out a 25 win team to your new arena. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, you got that uh, 48 mil player option coming for Kawhi in, in 24, 25. Uh, Paul George on basically the exact same contract. It's it's, it's going to get interesting. Uh, we, are, we are on just a horrible pace so far. We'll, <laughs> we'll try to go quicker through the rest of these. Uh, however, I'm going to slow us down because Harrison Barnes, I have the number. Where do you think he ranks since he entered the league? So starting uh, with the 2012-13 season until now, total points scored in the regular season. Let's go... 35th 28th Ooh, 28th so uh he, he's ahead of chris middleton who came in the league at the same time uh he's ahead of blake griffin he's ahead of Kawhi. Wow. he's ahead of gordon hayward zach levine uh obviously some of these guys have played fewer seasons but yeah he's in the top 30 i, I think about what we'd expect ahead of blake is crazy that, that feels ridiculous wild. um yeah uh, I think you're up for the Mavericks. I am. I am. Well, and he played Harrison Barnes played for the Mavericks. So that's why I felt like I needed to bring this right. up. <laughs> 27 and 25 are the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you know, kind of got, got through what looked like a bit of a scare with Luca missing a game, but uh, turned out to not really be that big of an issue at all. They are four and six in their last 10 minus 2.8 net rating in that span. The defense has not been good. Uh, they are 24th in D over the last 10 um, doesn't, doesn't really feel right to, to talk about anybody but Luca when it comes to this team. But uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, was, was on a heater of late. Tim Hardaway had his time in the sun earlier this season. Uh, apparently now it's it's Dinwiddie. Uh, he had an eight game stretch where he averaged twenty six, six and a half assists, uh, shot forty eight percent from the field, was hitting a bunch of threes, forty six percent from three during that span. Um, not not really expecting him to keep this up. It feels like he always has a month like this every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you mentioned Christian Wood's been out for them. Uh, yep. Christian Wood missed the past six games. But yeah, this team, man, I just, I don't know what you do. Like, it feels like they should do something at the deadline. I, I heard some rumors that they're shopping Dorian Finney Smith and Christian Wood. Um, I under, sure. I guess I under, I guess I understand, but what do you, I mean, I don't, no idea what you're getting back for either of those guys. Um, the problem with this team is just, I mean, of course, it's a Luca and it's everybody else, but it's none of these guys are consistent. Like you can't even get a consistent week and a half out of Tim Hardaway or, or Reggie Bullock or you know Josh Green. It's it, he, at points he looks like they're like fourth, third most important rotation player, and it's like, I, is he even good? Um, no. So <laughs> if we're talking playoffs, like I, I can, I can sing all the praises about Luca I want. I he's completely deserving of an MVP. He's the only reason this team is twenty seven and twenty five, but. And we've seen him. We've seen him play really well in the playoffs and get far-ish before, farther than people thought he would. But I just, if we're talking like finals, I just, I don't think they have enough. No, me neither. 
Uh, you got Luca, and that, that's enough to get you a decent amount of the way there, but uh, in my opinion, not enough to finish the job. Uh, don't look now. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the sixth seed in the West at 28 and 26 and are six and two over their past eight games uh, with, the, with the league's second best defense during this time. Is Rudy Gobert good? Um, Jacob McDaniels uh, has also been great for them as well. I, I've seen some great um, uh, sort of defensive, advanced defensive numbers about him. You know, they, they, they unleash him against a lot of times smaller guards and, and have them have him crowd them with size. And that's, that seemed to work for them. Of course, their offense isn't playing that well. Um, they're downtowns. I mean, you have to just, I think, lean into your defense at that point. Uh, but Anthony Edwards, you know, we talked about him as a potential all-star when we did our, our sort of all-star picks uh, the other day. And he's, he just continues to put up great numbers, man. It's, you, you go back pretty far. Like if we're, if we're talking about past 14 games, he's averaging 28 points on 47, 40, 84 shooting, six boards, five assists, 1.7 steals, like almost a block. The turnovers are a little high. You know, four turnovers to five assists. I don't love that, but the volume's crazy as well. And he's he's getting a lot of those turnovers back by stealing the ball on the other end of the floor. So um, he's sort of looking like he should be their go-to guy in the future. And, you know, at this point, uh, when they add Towns back, I mean, I don't know. It's like sometimes you add a guy back and it, it gets jumbled for a little while. But if they can, if they can be basically a 500 team, stand pat until Towns gets back, things are going to get a little interesting. They're a little interesting right now. Absolutely. I, I think they're going to be in a good spot. It, it's to, to me, the big question is like, does Towns mess this up? And I, I think that's very possible, but uh, they, they got to be pretty happy with where they are, especially how dark things looked like three weeks ago uh, to be sitting in sixth place with, with no Towns. And yeah, I, I think we, we probably don't see Towns till after the all-star break. Like they're, they're, they're at least going to be one of those teams that I feel like it, it's either going to be really good or really bad. Like I, I don't see Towns coming back and they just go 500 like we're either going to look back and say that he he kind of messed things up and they don't know how to play with him or you know he was the the missing piece to, to really push this team closer to the top 3 in the west. Edwards by the way, uh 20th now in per game value, eight category in total value because he has missed I think zero or maybe one game. Uh he's played 54, so he's not missed a game. He is the fifth ranked fantasy player in total value eight cat. That's awesome, man. I, yeah, I higher higher than I, I expected. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the Golden State Warriors. Warriors. We are to the middle. They are seventh in the West. Uh, man, it, it feels like they should be lower. Honestly, like we we've, we've seen teams like you know Phoenix and New Orleans go through these rough stretches. All of a sudden, you know they're down at like eight, nine, ten in the West. And Golden State, it it's just it hasn't been good. Like they. It's been almost Raptors like where you're kind of waiting on things and you're just waiting for them to have like a, a nice two or three week period where they look like their old selves. And really the last time we saw that was around Thanksgiving. They, they went on a nice run, but ever since then they've, they've had trouble stringing wins together. They've basically been going every other for the last month or so uh, blew a big lead against Minnesota last night to, to end up losing that game. Um, but like we said earlier, it's the Warriors and you're always going to be scared of, of facing Curry, Clay, Draymond, Poole in a playoff series? I think so. I mean, at this point, it's just more so about how their depth is going to step up. And that's been the issue all year. Is Kaminga ready for these playoff minutes? Um, I've really liked what I've seen out of DiVincenzo for them, which is not 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 surprising at all. Like he is just he's a Warriors guy. I'm not I'm not that worried about him, but um and of course, you don't use your depth as much in the playoffs, but you also cannot be just playing your guys 45 minutes a game in the first round of the play, like for the entire playoffs. I just very rarely does that work out. And um, I just, I, you're right. They're like Raptors West in way. Like, I just don't, I have no idea what to think about them. We can keep talking about this pedigree that they have. And of course they have it, but like, what's the precedent for a team being like three games, four games over 500 at the end of the year and winning the title. It's just that doesn't happen. So they got to go on a run is what I'm trying to say. I agree. And that, that run will 
probably come at some point, but uh, yeah, it's almost more interesting if it doesn't come. Yeah, like I it, like we we right. we know what the run looks like. We've seen it time and time again over the years. But um, you know what? Like it, the Warriors going into the playoffs without ever looking like the Warriors would actually be kind of interesting. It would be, yeah, and they would get an interesting first round matchup out of that as well, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if they if it was uh, Warriors Memphis first round, that would be that'd be awesome. Um, it's in the, it's in the like what is it? I was gonna say in the table. It's in the cards. In the cards. In the t- <laughs> cards are on the table. Uh, let's yeah. go to the Phoenix Suns, who played better lately. That they've gotten Chris Paul back, so they're six and two over the past two weeks. Offense is struggling. Defense is doing fine. Of course, that's to be expected with with Devin Booker still out. Although it sounds like Booker might come back next week, uh, which will obviously be great for them. But at this point. You know, they're down to 27 and 26. So they're sort of digging themselves out of a hole. Um, like I mentioned, Chris Paul's been playing really well lately. Aiden's strung together four nice games in a row. Bridges continues to pop off here and there. Um, you know, he was someone earlier in the year where I they had guys go down, and I'm like, Bridges is Bridges is not stepping up. Like this is he's gotta show something and uh, he's proven me wrong for sure. Cause over the past 10, he's averaging 23 in points on efficient shooting plus five assists in addition to his great defensive stats and low turnover. So that's been huge for them. I mean, if he can sort of continue this leap and this confidence when Booker gets back, I think it's pretty possible for them to sort of just pick right back up where they left off and get rolling. Yeah. Took a hard loss last night uh, to the Hawks. That was pretty ugly. Uh, kind of a weird yeah. game for Chris Paul there. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm not that enthused with the Suns. I am pretty convinced that they, they missed their window. They had two golden opportunities the last two years, obviously making the finals uh, and then, you know, falling short last year. I did. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I, you know, Cam Johnson's missed a ton of time. Obviously Booker and Paul have missed time. Uh, Aiden's weirdly been like the one constant and I, I still just don't feel great about that whole situation. Um, you know, we'll see what they end up netting for Jay Crowder. I, I think that could, swing swing my opinion a little bit because I, I still don't love how much they're relying on like Damian Lee and like Josh Akogi. And part of that is because guys are hurt, but like, I also don't think it's great that you're relying on campaign and Landry Shamit. So I, I don't, that doesn't really change things like Saban Lee is currently their backup point guard. That is a pretty big problem. Um, so yeah, even when they have their guys back, it's a different story. They'll be in the mix, but I, I still feel like they need to fill out their depth. If they're going to truly compete with Denver, Memphis, New Orleans. Uh, I mean, even, even last year, like, Dallas took care of them with, with a much worse roster. Yeah. That was pretty damning last year. It was. Um, all right. Utah Jazz. They are in the nine spot. Nine spot. Wow. I cannot talk. Nine seed in the Western Conference. Nine spot. Nine seed. They are 27 and 26 after a win last night at home over Toronto. Uh, you are all over that. Cash the Utah money line in our best bets. Um, 131-128 was the final there. Uh, Walker Kessler, man, I feel like that's really what we need to talk about yeah. here. Seven blocks last night in 30 minutes, eight of 10 from the field, 14 boards, 17 points. Uh, they're, they're starting him alongside Olinick and Laurie Markkinen right now. So a pretty big lineup. That to me is super encouraging because I, I kind of felt like all along Olinick was going to be the linchpin. And if he was traded, you know, that's when we would see Walker Kessler uh, Excel, but it's already happening. And now it's like they, they could not find a, a trade for Olenek. And I don't really think it matters. Like Kessler, you know, we're, we're well beyond the point now of like being able to just go grab him off the waiver wire. Yes. That lineup, it feels a little weird, like Olenek, Kessler, Markinen, but Markinen plays a lot like a three now. And, you know, Olenek can sort of handle a little bit. He can pass. So I, it's, I think it'll be fine. But the reality is, I still think this you know, Danny Ainge is, is going to do everything he can to get rid of Olenek. And it sounds like Vanderbilt could definitely be on the block. You got to assume Mike Conley's on the block, even Clarkson. So this team may look completely different after the, uh, the trade deadline next week. And so, I mean, if you, if you got, if we're talking fantasy basketball, if you got space on your roster somehow, or you're maybe you're in a keeper league and some of these, and your team is bad. And some of these guys are just basically hanging out for free. You want to take a chance on like Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know. Malik Beasley could get traded as well. Zach Lowe seems to be convinced that Malik Beasley's basically gone. So everybody else yeah. on this roster, um, you never know. Um, but 
they I don't know. They continue to play well. It's hard to say. But yeah, you're you're right to bring up Kessler. He looks you know, like you and I had this debate between who we'd rather have going forward, Jalen Duran or Walker Kessler. I can't remember if you picked Duran. I think I was on the Kessler side. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any different about that now based on sort of what we've seen over the past uh, week or two? I I don't remember what side I was on in that debate. Um, this is a, a leading question. I, I would be team Kessler <laughs> if we're talking fantasy, especially. Uh, it's not really, to me, it's not really a debate whatsoever. Uh, I am firmly on right. Kessler. I want to make that very clear and get that on the record. Well, I, I don't mean for fantasy. I mean for real life. Oh, uh, it's still, I think it's still Kessler. I mean, Duran, we'll see. I, I just, I feel like he's kind of the archetype of a lot of the big men that we've seen. Although the defensive numbers have been much better lately for Duran. He went through yeah. a long stretch where he was not really getting any blocks and steals. And that has changed over the last couple of weeks. He's just, he's so young and so raw that it's, it's hard to say, but I mean, Kessler, I, I kind of thought Kessler would just be like this, like 15 to 20 minute guy who would just go crazy. And hopefully you get two blocks out of him in that span. But I mean, he looks like he's already going to be more than that. So I, I would still give the edge to him. Let's go to New Orleans, who we, we talk, we've we talked about uh, a couple of times already in this podcast uh, about maybe they can trade for somebody. They're still without Zion, uh, but they, they've gotten Brandon Ingram back. He's been back for a few games. The problem is uh, they're playing terribly. Um, the Pelicans, now they're 0-7 over the past two weeks. I think, I don't know if they're on a set eight game slide. They've lost a lot of games lately. Let's put it that way. Um, terrible on offense. You know, Ingram has also been launching up a lot of shots. Hasn't been especially efficient lately. His usage rates through the roof since he returned. Um, McCollum has been kind of up and down all year. I, the Valanciunas minutes are all, all over the place. Um, it's weird. I, I still believe in them because, I think the fact that they were able to put together such a good string of games while Ingram and, and Zion were out for at least a little while suggests to me like mm-hmm. their their bench is strong. But at some point you have to wonder, is the bench a little too strong? Maybe we trade some guys for, again, like an OG Anobi type. We use some of our picks uh, to get a little more top heavy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that because... I don't want to say they have like a window right now, but a lot of these teams in the West, you know, again, we've talked about it. There's no like dominant team. They probably feel like, Hey, we well, can make one move and, and we have, uh, we have a shot at being really competitive here, maybe now and in, in the next couple of years. All right. We pivot to a team that in my opinion does not have a shot at being competitive this season. The Portland trailblazers 25 and, and 26. All due respect to Dame Lillard. One of my favorite players, hall of famer, uh, one of the best players of the last decade, hands down. Had another huge game last night, led them to a win over Memphis. But this this Portland team is just stuck in the middle once again, and I, I don't see them having a, a truly like game changing trade. It's like, yeah, could you could you flip Simons for a, a more defensive minded player? Sure, but does that really move the needle? I don't think so. Uh, we talked about Nurkic being in and out. He's been banged up. Uh, not a great bench for this team. Um, you know, Shaden Sharp, I remained pretty high on going forward, but it still looks like he's like a couple of years away from really being able to affect winning. And I, I don't think it's going to line up with the best years for Lillard. Uh, so to me, the, the most fun scenario for the Trailblazers is Damian Lillard finally uh, kind of breaking the breaking the mold that he set for himself and asking out and trying to win a title somewhere while he still has a couple of good years left. Do you have, like, do you have a team in mind that you think the Los Angeles be... Lakers, baby. <laughs> so obvious. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's any host of places, right? I mean, obviously the, the Lakers, um, you know, are the team that's kind of like always waiting for these scenarios. But I mean, they that would require, uh, you know, taking back the, the Russ contract and all that, which obviously Portland's probably not super interested in. Um, and I, I think it would probably take more than two future picks to to pry Dame Lillard away, especially with how he's playing. But I don't know, like basically any of the top 10 teams in either conference would be pretty interesting. Uh, maybe save for Washington and, and Indiana. Uh, you know, obviously Atlanta wouldn't make a ton of sense either, but I don't know, like if, if I don't know, like if the Miami heat could find a way to, to add Damian Lillard to that team, or um, I don't, I don't know. It's like, is, is there any way that Philly could somehow turn in, like, turn like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey into Damian Lillard with like five picks? And I don't know. I'm, I'm doing this on the fly. Yeah. I mean, 
if you if you're Portland, you just you need you just need the you need the hall. Like you need the you need the young players who are good right now that have upside. You need all the picks. But yeah, if you're Philly, I mean, I think you have to you have to have that discussion. Every pick that you have and Maxi and whatever you need to fill in for Lillard, I mean, I, I would do that. Um there's just not a lot of teams that have all those assets that are willing to to necessarily deal them right away, right? So, um, and how many teams like need a point guard? Maybe some teams like Philly would consider upgrading their point guard. The Clippers need a point guard pretty badly, but they don't they don't really have the juice to get Lillard. Um, not at all. You know, Minnesota obviously is really high on. Yeah, unless Portland is really high on Luke Kennard, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Probably not. All right. Um, um, let's, let's get to the final four here. Yeah. The Thunder uh, continue to chug along here. Two and four over the past uh, two weeks. Not a lot there. I mean, Lou Dort's been out, but we continue to get these great performances from SGA. Uh, Jalen Williams uh, looks like a really strong pick for them. Um, the Kenrich Williams experience is back. Also has some of the... Um, I was going to say best hair in the NBA, but that might give people the wrong impression of his hair. Um, it's like a mullet. It's hard to really even explain. Uh, and uh, Josh Giddy also playing well, but this team is, they're, they're sort of in a holding pattern. I don't really think they're going to do much at the deadline. I think, I think they're going to let whatever happens happen. Yeah. Which is very un thunder. Like, you know, they're, they're a good 10 games up on, the Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, Houston group. So getting into that final uh, bottom three or even the bottom five uh, might be difficult for them. But yeah, it's kind of been a, a, a pretty dramatic turn these last couple of weeks. Like they had, they had a really nice month uh, of January and even closing December. And now I think they're like two and six in their last eight. Uh, so they've struggled a little bit, but yeah, still, I mean, I, I, I kind of go both ways. Like I don't really have that big of a problem with OKC tanking like obviously it's really frustrating for fantasy but i also respect you know a team just not being content with with settling in the middle um it's, it's just surprising to me that of, of all the drafts that you would want to tank for like this is the year that they choose not to <laughs> right um well i mean yeah and they were supposed to have you know they're supposed to have chat but also what do they have to even give up at, anymore they don't have anything like you what dort i they have nothing to trade yeah, in, ter anymore, in terms right? of selling at the deadline. Yeah, no, they have no better. Really. I mean, yeah, I guess Dort, Dort would have like minor value, but that's about it. Right. So I don't know what they could even do. Um. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the Lakers, twenty-four and twenty-eight. Uh, big, big win over the New York Knicks earlier this week. Uh, the Lakers are at Indiana tonight for Tyrese Halliburton's return. And then they'll play Saturday at New Orleans. It should be a pretty fun game. Uh, you know, Lakers are in a lot of ways doing what they did last year, where they feels like they take a step forward and then, you know, they, they take two steps back the next night. Uh, they, they've had some late game issues. I, I really haven't loved what I've seen from Rui Hachimura. I remain pretty low on the end result of that trade. But, uh, you know, ultimately it comes down to LeBron and Davis staying healthy. If they do, this team gets mildly interesting. And if one of them goes down, then we, we kind of know the script from there. Uh, obviously, we should mention that LeBron will likely break the scoring record in the next like seven to 10 days. He's under 100 points away. Uh, kind of depends how aggressively he pursues it over these next few games. Like he's not going to break it uh, tonight, obviously. He's not going to break it at New Orleans over the weekend. But, you know, could if he has like three big games, it could happen uh, against OKC next week. I would say most likely if I had to pick a date. It would be the Milwaukee game uh, on Thursday, uh, which would be right after the trade deadline, interestingly enough. And then after that, uh, they head out on, on a two-game road trip. So he, the most likely scenarios are he breaks it at home against the Thunder, at home against the Bucks, or at the Warriors in what would be mm -hmm. the Lakers' fifth game from now. That would be – that would the, the home game against – yeah, the home game against the Bucks would be cool. And the uh, – <laughs> in Golden State would also be kind of interesting, like against Curry – they're kind of mm -hmm. they got that little rivalry going. Um, He's eighty nine points away for what it's worth. Yes. Um, yeah, Hachimura. I haven't the only. I haven't the only Lakers game I have seen. I saw the end of the Boston game. Obviously, everyone saw that. 
But I watched a lot of the Knicks game, and Hachimura, he was he was running the floor hard out in transition. But you know the the, the spaces in between that again. I'm I think you and I are aligned on him. They've also been missing missing Austin Reeves for a long time. I think getting him back will actually be <laughs> surprisingly big for them. Um, yeah, because he's I mean he's their best guard defender. He's the new and, Caruso. Uh, he is the he's absolutely the new Caruso. It's actually alarming um, how yeah. much he's the new Caruso. Uh, okay. Uh, we talked about the Spurs already. So, uh, if you want, if you want to double dip and go to the Houston Rockets. Yeah, let's do it. I don't think we have anything else to say about the Spurs. Uh, the Rockets, well, uh, you know, they're, they're 13 and 38. They are having a a pretty rough year. I think we, we all kind of saw this coming. I mean, injuries have started to set in for the Rockets these last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Kevin Porter has not played due to a foot injury since January 11th, Jalen Green, uh, has been banged up a little bit as well. He's dealing with a calf injury. Uh, sounds like he's probably not going to play tomorrow. That would be three missed games in a row. Uh, so I guess, you know, at least for fantasy, you could throw him in an IR spot. Uh, he does have two 40-point games in his last four healthy games. So he's you know starting to flash some of that scoring upside. But, I mean, this is like a, an alarmingly, like, undisciplined, just like really bad team to watch. Poorly coached. They had, nothing really makes sense. Uh, but fantasy-wise, I, I think there's actually going to be a decent amount of value here. Like obviously Shangun, uh, you know, he's rostered everywhere and you know, a lot of people paid up for him. That's starting to look like a pretty good investment. Jabari Smith, I like, get at some point, I, I hope he you know puts together a nice, like two or three week run, but he's oh, still man. struggling, still really inconsistent, still shooting under 40% from the field for a, a, a three slash four, which is not good at all. Uh, Tari Eason, you know, I mean, he's, I, I think Tari Eason was kind of the, the, the fun guy that we, we talked about like in, in fantasy back rooms, like smoking cigarettes back in September. Right. Uh, he's now, he's, he's like become too popular. Like good luck grabbing T- Tari Eason <laughs> in a competitive league. Like chances are he's already gone. And I mean, he had arguably his best game of the season against OKC last night, 20 points, 13 boards, one assist, three steals, two blocks in 19 minutes. He had 12 offensive rebounds. Gotta love the 21 shot attempts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually I tuned into that OKC Houston game for a little bit, and he was he was flying around, man. I I love Eason, but yeah, he definitely feels like the underground band that someone, uh, yeah, everyone discovered, and you're like, well, you know, I've, I've been on this bandwagon for a while. Um, she mentioned Jabari, man. Again, I was watching that OKC game. I also watched a good amount of the Detroit Houston game, and it's like, is he even Why? out there? Uh. You know, I was uh, I was working late Saturday night. Um, I worked. I, I had the four. You know, I had the four to midnight shift on Saturday. All right, oh, give me a break. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're, you're so the the, hook. Yeah, I had a bunch of games. I saw more NBA basketball than that. I watched like three hours of a uh, ton of games. But it's he's out there, and I'm like, it, you you just, you don't notice him, right? This is sort of like what yeah. people used to complain about this, and I think it was valid about like Andrew Wiggins, right? And, and there's some other guys out there where it's like you just forget he's out there. He has no, he has, let's put it this way. He has no presence. You at, at no point, if you sat someone down and had them watch Houston, no one would pick out Jabari Smith and be like, that guy's interesting. <laughs> Not a yeah. single person well, would do that. You know, that guy's a top three pick. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he. It, it, like the flash games have kind of been there. Like he's, it, he's not going to be, it's not going to be like the Jalen green flashes from last year. Where he's, he's not going to have a, like a 45 point game out of nowhere, but you know, he, he had like 27 and eight, uh, you know, midway through January against Sacramento. Like that was nice, but like, it, I don't know, like it, nothing ever seems to line up. Like he'll have games where he'll have double digit rebounds, but then he'll struggle from the field. Um, He's taking a ton of threes. He has not, he's not had a single game where he's made, more than three three pointers since all the way back in early December, and he's taking like five a game in that span, and oftentimes more. Um, so that that that's kind of the thing that's most surprising. Like I'm not shocked that he's disappearing a little bit because that was that was kind of the scouting report with him was you know it was, it was not exactly uh, like a, an alpha type of offensive player, but the 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 one thing that seemed rock solid was the spot up shooting. I mean, he was a easily forty plus percent three point shooter at the college level on good volume. Like the free throw shooting is pretty good for a bigger guy's hovering around 80%, but 30% at the line over a 50 game sample. Like it's, it's been really rough. I'll give him credit. Like lately he's been getting to the free throw line more. Um, you know, that to me, that's a really big indicator and something he's got to, he's got to do more often. Um, and he's been blocking a good amount. I mean, you know, he has a defensive upside, 
like you'll have you got a three block game against Detroit. Um, he's had five games straight with at least one block. Like there's stuff there that's happening. It just it doesn't feel that impactful. Um, but you know, and then you know we 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 briefly mentioned Shangun, who is um, having a career stretch and and just looks awesome. Yeah, potentially the goat. It's starting to look that way. He's he's playing very well. Um, all right, that'll do it. That, that brings us through the end of the West. You'll be back uh, tomorrow with just Shannon, right? No Ken. He's skipping out. Yeah, Ken. I think it's a might be his birthday. I think his wife is doing something nice for him, which is you know that's does Ken deserve it? I I don't know. <laughs> People are talking. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, you know, wish wish Ken a happy birthday. Uh, you'll probably talk to him before I do in person, but uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing you and Shannon talk waiver wire tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, you know, previewing the trade deadline, recapping the trade deadline on Thursday. We'll talk about that on the Sirius XM show as well. Uh, and hopefully have some more news uh, on the XM front in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.